So last Sunday, uh, we talked about uh, what it means to count the cost. And to count the cost means to, to carefully consider the cost of something before you jump into it. And we talked about how Jesus last Sunday, how he told, uh, he had a massive following, and he told his following that count the cost before you come to me. Because he know he wasn't bamboozled by the crowd, and we talked about not being bamboozled by the crowd, because how many know there are some people that's following you and that's not really for you. That's not really for you, and we, and we talked about how Jesus desired disciples because disciples are more than just followers. Disciples are, fo- are following Jesus for Jesus, where followers follow people for benefits. And to really paint the picture of this, I would like to have a demonstration. Bishop, if you could come up here. And Marcus, uh, if you could come up here too. Bishop and Marcus, to demonstrate what it looks like to be a follower and what it looks like to be a disciple. Let's give it up for Bishop. Oh. Oh. I think Marcus, you hear me? Uh, can you come up here? So in this box, this is a box of benefits. Someone say benefits. Benefits. So Bishop has the box of benefits. Oh, he just went back there. Go. All right. Tyrell, if you can come up here. Give it up for my brother. Shout out to my brother. <laughs> you can just stand right next to Bishop. Mm-hmm. What's going on? <laughs> and so Bishop has a box of benefits. So you, as you walk, just walk. You stay right there. You just walk. So I'm following Bishop. I'm following the teacher. But it looks like I'm following the teacher for the teacher. But what I'm really following are the benefits. So some people are following you to follow you, but if you look, they're really following you for the benefits. So as you walk in, you got benefits, but they're looking at the benefits. They want the benefits. They seek the benefits. So if those benefits go to, if, if you no longer have the benefits, you can pass it off to Tyrell like football. Boom. Boom, there we go. Now, look, I stopped following Bishop because he, he no longer has the benefits, so you start walking. So now this is what people do. Now you're trying to see why people leaving you. They leaving you because you no longer have the benefits. This person has the benefits, so you start following the benefits. You following the benefits. So this is what a follower looks like. They just looking around. Now, we can pass this box around all day, and we get people following, people following, people following. But a disciple, someone say a disciple. A disciple does this. A disciple, now keep, just walk, yeah. A disciple is following, but not just the benefit. The disciple wants the following a person. They looking at the teacher. They want, they for the teacher. They for the person. So if the benefits get transferred, you can just keep walking. Look, I don't, the benefits left, but Bishop no longer has the benefits, but I'm following because it's the person. I'm following for the, I'm not in it for the benefits. The benefits could go to somebody else, but I'm for the teacher. I'm for because I want to be where the teacher is. How many of you just want to be in the presence of Jesus, no matter the benefits? A disciple is in it when life gets hard, when things don't go his way, when pain comes in, when, when strength is getting weary. You are in it for the teacher. You want to grow and become more like the teacher. No matter what a person with benefits is doing, I don't want the benefits. I want the man. Can we all say amen to that? 
So that's what it looks like to be a follower of Christ and a disciple of Christ. Thank you. Praise that. So that's what Jesus desired. Jesus desired disciples because disciples are in it for him. And we talked about last week how it means to count the cost because he said there's three things you got to focus on when it comes to being my disciple. First thing first, you can tune in, you can watch the message last week, but we can speed it up. First thing was that you need to hate your family. That was a hyperbole that was meant to no relationship, no matter how close you are to family, no relationship should come above him. He is the number, as a believer, our relationship with Jesus should be the number one priority in life. And because we should be more loyal to Jesus than it is to man. So he was using hate your family as a hyperbole. Then he says you need to take, bear your own cross. A cross is sacrifice. Me to die to yourself. Me, it's not about me. It's about what God wants for me. Putting my plans aside and getting in alignment with God's will for my life. Then third, he talks about you need to kiss possessions goodbye. He didn't mean say go broke. He meant to emotionally detach yourself from possessions because whenever because possessions can possess you. And whenever you're possessed, you're, you're, you're not controlling yourself. You ever watch any horror movie, you know, you'll see when somebody's possessed, they are no longer in control of themselves. Something is controlling their talk, their speech, and their behavior. And how many of you know when people get some money, money can control their speech and their behavior. Possessions can control their speech and their behavior behavior so it's like we should not let possessions possess us and those are three things that Jesus looked once when it comes to a disciple and today and next week we're going to look at how the life of a Christian should be a life of impact and influence someone say impact and influence impact and influence so we're going to be in Matthew uh, chapter 5, we're going to do verse 13 this week, and next Sunday we're going to do verse 14. But we're going to do verse 13 today, Matthew 5, 13. You, someone say you, you, are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything, someone say anything, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. I'm going to read it again so we can all get it. You, someone say you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. My subject this morning is salty Christians. And uh, I thought about this as I was coming up here. A subtitle can be, um, don't be good for nothing. (laughs) This verse, salty Christians, That's the subject. And when we dive into this verse, this verse starts with the word you. To understand the power of you, we need to understand the context in which this is Jesus speaking. Who is he speaking to? Who is the you Jesus is speaking to? To understand the audience of the text, we need to understand that chapter 5 kicks off with Jesus' sermon on the mount. So chapter 5 kicks off with Jesus' sermon on about Jesus has been preaching and teaching all over Galilee. 
And the Bible says his audience has grown massive. He got people everywhere. He, and they named, before it get to chapter 5, they named the regions of group of people that was following him. They said Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, even beyond the Jordan. And it's important that the Bible specifically named those regions because it showed how diverse Jesus' crowd was. It wasn't just all Jews. It was also Gentile. Because Jerusalem and Judea are Jewish regions. Galilee was a mix of Jews and Gentiles, and the Catholics was majority Gentiles. So Jesus has this huge following. He's been preaching and teaching all over Galilee. And the Bible says, as he saw the crowds, someone say saw. He saw the crowds. He went up to a mountaintop, and he sat down. Someone say sat down. So he went up to a mountaintop, and he sat down. The Bible says when he sat down, his disciples came to him. So as he sat down, his disciples came to him, and the Bible says he begins to teach them. So as he sat down, his disciples came to him, and of all, all these, this whole crowd is in front of him, and he's teaching his disciples. He, the Bible says the, he sat down, disciples came to him, and he begins to teach them. We should not, under, we should not overlook the teaching aspect of Jesus' ministry. We can get so caught up on the miracles and so caught up on the healings, but what about the teaching aspect of his ministry? Yes, he performed miracles, and yes, he performed healings, but those were also used as ways to teach. When you look at his, when you study his miracles, he was teaching his disciples, so he wasn't performing miracles to just entertain. He was performing miracles with a purpose. But we can get so caught up wanting performance that we, we overlook the teaching. We so caught up wanting the entertainment, but what are you getting? Are you growing? You're entertained, but are you growing? We, we live in a society that wants to be entertained, but what are you getting to grow? And we come so quick to talk about culture, culture, that transition into the church. How we want to be entertained, but are you growing spiritually? Are you growing spiritually and growing in your relationship with Christ? Growing to be more Christ-like. But we look at the performance and our entertainment over the teaching. Teaching, uh, performance draws the crowd, but teaching grows the crowd. And I want to ask you, do you want to be the entertainer or do you want to grow? Do you want to be entertained or do you want to grow? When you look at the life of Jesus, he just didn't perform miracles to perform miracles to entertain people. He performed miracles as a way to teach, and it's all about teaching. And it's hard because we have been conditioned because we want the amp. We want to be hyped up. We want to turn up. But what are you getting? And some of us have been suffering from spiritual malnutrition for 20 years because we're looking for entertainment. But it's all about teaching. And in this text, that's what Jesus is doing. He is teaching his disciples. Can we all say amen? amen. We cannot overlook the teaching aspect and as he stepped into this text Jesus is sitting down teaching his disciples many things when you go to the sermon on the mount he talked about the beatitudes but after beatitudes side note just shameless plug we are looking at that in family in the word 
the Beatitudes. So tune in first and third Wednesdays, Family in the Word. At this current status, we're talking about the Beatitudes. But in today's text, he's teaching them about their essential role in the church. That was a mistake. I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to say that. He's not talking about their essential role in the church. He's not talking about their impact in the church. When Jesus said, he said, you are the salt of the earth. It doesn't say church. It says you are the salt of the earth. Jesus is teaching his disciples about the impact and the influence in the world. Because our role as a believer, our role as a Christian is to impact and influence the world. We shouldn't just limit ourselves inside these four walls. He is speaking to them about their role in the world. Someone say world. World. But when you look, we cannot limit ourselves. Say you are the salt of the earth. Salty Christians operate outside of the church walls. Write that down. Salty Christians, you're taking notes, salty Christians operate outside of the church wall. We can get so caught up making sure our services are right, so caught up wanting to have a great service, but what about the outreach? What about the community impact? What about making a difference outside of the four walls? But we can limit ourselves to just influencing and impacting the church. When what we do is not just meant for the church, it's meant to be spread out in the world and make it a better place. And that's what Jesus is speaking. You are the salt of the church. No, you are the salt of the earth. Because Jesus loves the earth. God loves the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his only begotten son because he loved the world. It did not say for God so loved the church that he gave his only begotten son. It says for God so loved the world. Someone say world. That he gave his only begotten son. So if he didn't love the world, he wouldn't have gave his only begotten son. And if he never gave his only begotten son, we wouldn't have Jesus. And if we wouldn't have Jesus, there would be no salvation because there would be no ultimate sacrifice. And we wouldn't have this gift called salvation and experience eternal life. Why we want to experience eternal life? Because the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if God didn't love the world, there would be no Jesus. Hence, it all ties together because God so loved the world. And Jesus is saying, you are the salt of the earth because you are meant to impact beyond the church walls. You are meant to impact the world and make it a better place because a salty Christian doesn't just do church. A salty Christian operate outside of four walls and make their presence known and felt and impact and put their Christianity on display. But we can get so caught up because we want this. We want to operate in this. And we can be, I'm so off my notes, but I think this is good. And we can be so focused and we in the world but not of the world. Yes, Jesus was in the world, but Jesus loved the world. To the point where he sat with tax collectors. He sat with sinners. Where the super religious folk didn't even understand. 
Why is this man sitting with tax collectors and sinners? Because Jesus came for everybody. Because Jesus came for the world. He came for Jews and Gentiles. And he didn't just disconnect. See, we can become so super religious that we disconnect ourselves from the world. And then now when you're disconnected from the world, you're trying to see why you're not making no impact in the world. You can't make no impact in the world because you're disconnected. And so you don't want to, you disconnected from people, but now you're trying to do things, trying to win them over. But you've been so out the loop, and now you're frustrated. You're blaming them when you need to blame yourself because you became so super lit that you separated yourself. Being in the world but not of the world does not mean to separate yourself to the point where you can no longer impact. You are the salts of the earth. Salty Christians operate outside of the four walls and we cannot barricade ourselves from the world because we are called to have impact and influence in the world some of us have a phd in church but we are flunking in the world impact you love church though you can do church you can scream, you can shout, you can sweat your butt off, you can just, uh, all everything, but you are flunking and impacting the world. But you good at church. You can do church. Do church well. Don't even got to study. You just know you've been groomed from birth to do church. But baby, what are you doing to make the world a better place? You are the salt of the, your life should be on full display. And one of the metaphors Jesus used to show, to represent the impact that Christians as believers should have in the world is salt. He uses the metaphor, he ties this type of impact to salt. Someone say salt. Salt. And to really understand the power of which he used salt, salt has many different functions. And we have to look at the purpose of salt back in Jesus' day. See, salt was a valuable commodity in Jesus' day. Roman soldiers were sometimes paid in salt. So salt was a some, a form of currency, you might say. And that's why they called it salt money. And just a little side note, that's where we get our word salary from. Salary stems from the Latin word salarium, which means salt money. And so, look at people, oh my goodness. You're going to go to work, I need my salt money increase, please. <laughs> but Roman soldiers sometimes paying salt, salt money, so that's where we get the word salary from salary has roots in salt and so the more salt you had the more value the more money you had so salt is tied to value so when we look at you are the salt of the earth you are value salty christians have value salty christians should add value into the world should add value to the world can we say the word? Should add value to the world. That's what salty Christians should be doing. So when you walk in the space, the value of that space should increase. 
So when you walk in a room, value walks into the room. When you walk into the room, the valuable increase should walk in a room because you are just so salty that when you walk in a room, you walk in a meeting, you walk in any situation, it just increases the value because people know there's value that came in this place. And you have something valuable to say. Should have something valuable to say. Growing up, you don't, growing up, you heard that phrase, you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Well, baby, people just disregard that. Social media came and everybody got an opinion, everybody got a microphone, everybody got a podcast, and they'll light you up. And the people that'll light our other people up are Christians. We'll light people up, but we should add value in this world. We should walk in a place and bring value. You should walk in that relationship and bring value. You should walk into that friendship. And are you bringing value into what you're doing? When you enter a friendship, are you bringing value? When you enter a relationship, are you bringing value? People should be able to see value because that's just how salty you are. Salty Christians have value. Someone say value. Value. And then we have to look at, again, a second function of salt back then was salt was a preservative. So in Jesus' time, salt was primarily used as a preservative because there was no refrigeration. So salt was widely used to preserve meat by rubbing the salt into the meat to keep it from spoiling. So salt preserves. Someone say preserves. And to preserve means to maintain something in its original state. It means to look after. It means to take care of. So we are called, salty Christians are called to be preservatives in the world. We are called to be preservatives. We are to preserve the truth and goodness in a fallen world. Salty Christians are called to preserve the truth and goodness in a fallen world. We should have a preserving influence on culture. We are called to preserve the truth and goodness. So when your life, it should preserve goodness. You should bring good, people should be able to see goodness. In a fallen world, in a dark world, in a fallen world, people should be able to look at your life and see goodness. Of all the things that's happening around, look how good. Look at the, how kind you are, how nice you are, how good you are. I know you're human, but that's the thing about being a Christian. You understand I'm becoming more like Christ. It doesn't mean you're going to just put aside your flesh. It means you just control your flesh because your flesh is still there. And your flesh pops up. Come on, how many know your flesh pops up every now and then? Some of us more than often. <laughs> And so your flesh is still there, but we need to check. I said a lot, check your flesh. We need to check our flesh. We should be able to preserve the truth and goodness in a fallen world and, and, keep, and listen to, I'm saying preserve the truth. The truth. Not a truth, because everybody can have their own truth. It's only one, the truth. Just because it's the truth to you doesn't mean it's not a lie. Two plus two can be five in your truth. That's your truth. <laughs> but baby, that doesn't make it right. <laughs> 
But we are called to preserve the truth, and the truth is God's word. The truth is, is, what, is what Jesus is teaching. The truth is, is, is God's word and his expectations and what Jesus is teaching us because we all want to grow and become more Christ-like and we need to preserve the truth because, like I said, so many different things and so many avenues you could go down, especially the more information we have out here, people can fall in traps. And people will lead you astray because that's why it's important for you to study the word yourself. Still, study. yes, you come to church on Sunday, but still study for yourself. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, still study for yourself. Especially, that's why as, a, as, as when I talk to kids, I'm like, study the word yourself. Because when you go to school, when you leave your mama in them house, your father in them house, and you introduce to a vast world where so many different opinions, so many different religions, so many different Yes, they are Christian, but hey, they might be interpreting that Bible much differently than you. So you need to know for yourself. A few weeks, a few months ago, we talked about submission. That's the biggest thing that a lot of people just get wrong. Women submit to men. That's what they put. But it, it didn't say women. It said wives. Submit to husbands. But if you don't study to show yourself approved, if you don't study the word yourself, somebody can tell you, no, the Bible says women submit to men, and you fall into that. Where, yeah, they're a Christian Eucharist, but they just interpret that Bible a little differently. They twist the text for their benefit. And so that's why we need to study, and we need to preserve the truth. That's not the truth. The truth is wives submit to husbands. But also husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. So, yeah, you stopped that there, but you need to keep on reading, brother, because it's some responsibilities for you, too. <laughs> well, study, we are called to preserve the true Christians should have a preserving influence on their culture. And that's why it's important for us, and that's why we have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, John 16, 13 said, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. When you are living and being guided by the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. That's one of the powers of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the functions and responsibilities of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a guide. The Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you into truth someone say truth so salty christians will recap salty christians impact beyond the church walls salty christians should bring value in what they do since salty christians should preserve the truth and goodness in a fallen world and salty christians and salt is was used and still used to to this day, as a flavor enhancer. Salt enhances flavor. Some of us use too much salt. Slow down. <laughs> but salt enhances flavor. Salt was used then and now as a flavor enhancer of the food it seasons. Here's the thing about salt. Salt permanently changes the flavor of food. 
So the followers of Christ stand out as those who enhance the flavor of life in this world. We should add flavor. We should enhance the flavor of this world. Enriching in this goodness and making God's work stand out from the normal way of doing things. So when you add in flavor, you are showing this a way that Christians should behave. This is how Christians should act. We're not responding in the way the world is responding. We are responding in the way that God wants us to respond. So when people are responding in revenge, you're responding in love. You enhancing the flavor of this world. When people responding with hate, you respond with love because you are enhancing the flavor of this world. So how many of you want to enhance the flavor of this world? You don't want to do what everybody else is doing. You want to do things a little differently because when you do things a little differently, you are enhancing the flavor. All I could think about was that dude that went viral, Salt Bay, when he was like this. This should be you on a situation that when the world is going crazy and the world is responding with hate, with, with, with all this bigotry and discrimination and, and racism and, and sexism and all this stuff, you should just be doing this, sprinkling your flavor, the Christian flavor, into the situation. So when somebody coming at you crazy online, just do this. <laughs> just do that just don't respond the way that the world will respond respond the way that we should respond out of christ enhance the flavor somebody coming at your boss coming at you crazy at work enhance the flavor he gonna be confused if you do this I'm like what you doing just, just know i'm checking my flesh because i really want to respond a different way but i need to season this moment <laughs> I need to flavor this moment because it, it can go left real quick. Amen. We on kids coming at you crazy. <laughs> All right, calm down. Calm down. Enhance the flavor of this world. Salty Christians bring value. Salty Christians impact and influence outside of the four walls. They're making a difference in this world. Salty Christians preserve the goodness and truth in a fallen world. And salty Christians add flavor. So when you look how salt adds value, how salt preserves, and how salt enhances flavor, when you take this uses of salt, you see that salt affects how we act and how we talk. Salt affects how we act and how we talk. Do you know that Jesus does care about your inner, he cares about your private life, but he also cares about your public life. He cares about your private life, but he cares on how you interact with his people. Some of us, we, so, we, we got this on game. Our private life, we good. We praying, God, bring me in, worshiping, all that stuff. But this other side sucks. I'm sorry. You are not doing good. You're fumbling this responsibility. We should love God and people. So we got this right, but we are not. We are struggling with this part because Jesus cares on how you interact with people, how you talk to people. 
And there's text behind it. If you go to Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, this is Paul writing to the church of Colossae. He said, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Let your conversation be always full of grace. He says, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned. With salt. There's that word again, salt. He says, season your conversation with salt. He's talking to church folk about how they should speak. Uh-oh. He's writing to church folk about their conversation. He's writing to church folk about how they should speak to people. Because... I've seen that we can be one of the worst people at speaking. We can be worse at talking with people. He said, let your conversation be seasoned with salt. So the way that salt preserves, the way that salt adds value, and the way that salt that enhances flavor, that should be your conversation. Preserve the message of Christ with Grace. He said, let your conversations be full of grace. You can preserve the truth with grace. How does that look? That means uh, uh, having grace in a conversation means you shouldn't be talking out of hate. People preserve the truth with hate. You put them down. You diminish them. You, la- you, you just beat down their confidence. That's not grace talking. Let your conversation be full of grace, mean, hey, I'm going to move in a sensitive way because there's a proper way of doing things, a proper way of speaking, and a proper way of addressing something with, an, with a proper attitude. How many of you got mad at people because it was just the tone it was in? It's not what you said. It was the tone. And then you, that's why we should always pray. If you're having a difficult conversation, pray about it. God, guide my words. Guide my thoughts so I can articulate what needs to be said in a graceful way. But if you're moving out of flesh, you full game. You just going. There's no, y'all know when you bowl, you have the guardrails. There's no guardrails. You don't care if it goes left, right, in the gutter. You don't care. You are here to throw down. You are here to tear down. And none of that stuff is seasoned with salt. Is this good? He said, let your conversation be seasoned with salt. And we don't, we, we struggle with doing that. That's why we need to ask help of the Holy Spirit that help. Help me talk to my child. Help me talk to my husband. Help me talk to my wife. Help me talk to my boss. And whatever situation that, that's in front of me that needs to be addressed, help me handle it with grace. Help me speak with grace. Because how you were, the world is, that's why I say the Christian life is challenging because the world is looking at how you respond. How, how do you respond? And he's saying, the way you, people looking at how you talk. People looking at your conversation. You say you're a Jesus follower. You say you're all about Christ and stuff, but they looking at the conversation you have on lunch break. They looking at all that stuff. 
because they should be able to see, see something different. That's why you, you shouldn't have to go around telling people, I shouldn't, I wish I had an ID badge. I shouldn't have to wear an ID badge that I'm a Christian, a name tag or anything. I shouldn't have to. It should just be in your, the way you walk and the way you talk. The way you walk and the way you talk should be seasoned with salt. The way you walk and the way you talk should be seasoned with salt. People see that, they, they know it's something different. I remember some people were so confused when I was in Kansas City doing comedy a lot. I, I, I did way more. I didn't do a lot of churches. I did a lot of nightclubs, comedy clubs, people came, and bars. Those were three venues that I was really um, popular at. And it was just, and I never say anything that I was a Christian, a believer. I went on Jesus. I didn't do all that. Be, see, some of us become too salty. And you're going to walk in a, in a bar with a Bible and say, the name of Jesus, I'm just here to preserve the truth of the good news. Like, no, come on now. You're just ruining the good time now. People trying to have a good time. In the name of the Lord. <laughs> now, people are so confused, but it was just always interesting to me that after some shows, some people come up to me and say, hey, there's something there. You, you, you this, and you, I'm like, yeah, I, I believe in this. I'm like, okay, I, we got that aura just from your presence. The way you walk and the way you talk and handle yours, that's how, should, it should be like that. Your life should be seasoned with salt. If you say that you, you want to grow and become more like Christ, that should be the goal of everyone, in the, everyone that's a believer is to grow and become more like Christ. And so, he's, so Jesus saying, you are the salt of the earth. Then he says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? The point here is not about the loss of salvation. It's not about that. It's about the loss of purpose. And that's dangerous. When you just live in life with no purpose, especially as a believer, we just saw that the purpose is to be sought, is to, uh, is to make a difference in the world. So what good are you if you're not making a difference in the world? You're not making the world a better place. So the point here is not about the loss of salvation. It's about when we stop serving the purpose that God wants us to serve and we stop living in faithfulness to God. Because salt technically, now this is the chemistry nerd, salt technically, technically cannot become less salty. Salt is salt. It can't technically become less salty. But that, and that's why Jesus, he uses a lot of teachings as great to show the catastrophic of something and how, how, how catastrophic it would be for salt to lose its saltiness. That's how catastrophic it would be for a disciple, a believer to lose their purpose. So how, so how the impact it will have if a salt loses its saltiness, don't take it literally, a salt technically can't be less salty. But he's saying that how catastrophic it would be if that was to happen, that's the same thing that can happen if a believer lose their purpose. You, it's good for nothing. 
good for nothing. Are you a salty Christian or are you a good for nothing Christian? Are you salty or are you no good? Salty Christians are out here making the world a better place, operating outside of the four walls. No good Christians. Just good at church. I know this is a tight conversation. I heard someone is tight, but it's right. <laughs> Conflicting but necessary. So in the same way, too many Christians can lose their flavor and become good for nothing. So bad salt isn't destroyed or burnt. It's simply ignored along with the dust of the earth. And I don't know about you, but I do not want to be ignored. As I believe, we do not want, we should not want to be ignored. We should want to be fruitful out here, making the world a better place, making a difference in this world. Because that's what Christ expects from us. He doesn't expect us to just come and stay within the four walls and just have church. He expects us to be out here in the community, out here doing outreach, out here making a making yo, you could you don't have to have a platform like this to make a difference. People look at this and say, oh, if I only had a platform. I will make it. If I only had a platform, I'll do this for the community. If I only had, I'm guilty of it too because I said it myself. If I only had a platform, I'll be doing so much more in the community. But work with what you got. Someone say, work with what you got. Work with what you got. You do not need this type of platform to make a difference in a community. You can make a difference in a community if you, the same level, that y'all are on, the same, you can make an impact right at the level you at. Just work with what you got. Look at the lady when she had a little bit of oil. She had a little bit of oil, but she worked with what she got. And she saw, and she multiplied. But we need to work with what we got. That's what we are called to do, make a difference. Make change. Add flavor. Preserve. And as I close, this verse tells us that we are valuable in our role as Christians and how God uses us to impact the people around us. Whether we are slowing down the moral decay or enhancing the spiritual flavor of the world, God has created us to have a positive impact in the world. For you are the salt of the earth. And I want to close by asking a question I asked like five minutes ago. Are you a salty Christian or are you a no good Christian? If you receive that word, say amen. 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 Let's give God some praise.